0: Gamebooks, Zip World, and Bitch the Pot. This is Staying In. So did I ever tell you about my brother and the cat? <laughs> <laughs> For God's
1: <laughs> sake. Um, Do you purposely brother- word these in a way that sound like children's stories? <laughs> <laughs> kind of are, Dan.
0: I mean... If 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 I had like an official
2: ghostwriter, it would be Enid Blyton. Yeah, it really would, it really would, but with slightly less racism. All right, tell 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 us your story about your brother and your and the cat. Was it well, the cat or a kitten? It, it, well, it's well, I'll get on to that a bit. Like a couple of weekends
0: ago, I went to see my sister. My sister's a vet, and she lives down south, and I don't get to see her that often because being a vet uh, when she's not working at the surgery she lives above the surgery she when she's not working in the surgery she's on call which mm. essentially means is that technically she's not in the office but she needs she can't be any far further away than half an hour by trap by car from the vets just in case of an emergency she gets called in
2: yeah
0: and so it's it's not often I get to see her so I went down with my family to see my sister, and we were hanging out in her house. And she was on call, but she was there. She was in the vet, so it was fine. And um, but her phone went, and she had to go and sort something out. I think an animal had been hit by a car. My sister had to go down and do like emergency surgery on them and things. Mm. So we were just chilling in her house, a flat above, and uh, we thought we'd go for a walk around the town. It's lovely, there's a lovely church there and stuff. So we went for a walk, and my brother, um, which you've not met personally. Um, physically, mm. You've, you've yeah. spoken to I, him
2: online. I don't think I don't think I could be in the same room as two Derby boys. No, it's like a Highlander situation. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> who and... is the most powerful? Just to give some backstory for listeners who aren't aware of my brother, I, I can tell you two examples of my brother that will hopefully give you a sense of the kind of character he is. The first is that at one instance, he managed to lock his car keys in the house and his house keys in the car at
1: the same time. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible.
2: Oh, logistically, yeah, how is that even
1: it. possible? How? Uh, yeah, go he's on. Like,
0: the second one is, he told us the other weekend that he can't eat apples physically. He physically <laughs> can't eat an apple. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched him eat an apple and his, his teeth are just glancing off the outside. Not <laughs> <to> the <laughs> so, Does he think there's some kind brother. of magnetic field around it? That's kind of like,
1: I, I just can't get to the
0: apple. But he, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Uh, and he is probably the funniest person I've ever met on the planet okay. right, hands yeah. down he's hilarious and anyway so we went down there so we went for a walk and my brother was looking for an excuse to go for a walk because he is addicted to Pokemon Go at the moment which mm, we talked about yeah. a few weeks ago yeah. and so he said I'm going to stay behind here and I'll catch up with you so we ended up back at my sister's flat and she has a cat my sister she has um, it's like a rescue cat it's called Kitten it's a little black cat um, with a piercing yellow eyes that I've met a few times because last time I went to stay at hers, I woke up at four in the morning to find it on my face. Because <laughs> it'd been, because it, it, uh, I thought it was outside, but it'd just been sleeping in the wardrobe. I'm wondering who the hell I was. And it's not the most sociable of cats. So I don't anyway, know, you're saying
1: it's pretty sociable.
0: Yeah, it was just it was stealing my body warmth down. That was about it. Um, <laughs> stealing. So it. anyway, so we were in my sister's house, and my brother says, "Oh, I found Holly's cat. It's by yeah. I found it by the petrol station when I was getting a Pokemon." Um, so he brings Holly's cat back in kitten.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and it being kitten, it's very antisocial. It's kind of like it's looking at us like, like who the hell are you? What are you doing here? Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Not really settling like around. It's because Holly isn't there. Holly's yeah, downstairs also. in the vets. You know, saving yeah, yeah. lives as my sister yeah. does. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, uh, so we're we're playing some board games for about three hours or so. I think we played. Sure. Uh, Jamaica which she played actually last weekend yeah marvellous Um yeah. chilling and, and so, stuff
2: so what's the cat doing at this point wandering around
0: wandering around you Fighting know people, it doesn't look really settling that much yeah it's it's not it's not settling that much that kind of thing and then my sister comes up she's on a break um, the cat's just now I think being sedated or something and it's just resting my sister comes up and my brother's holding my kitten he goes there you go Holly she's like that's not my cat <laughs> yeah Um. so basically my brother had stolen a cat and we didn't <laughs> have it <laughs>
1: For three so hours like,
0: in my sister's flat, just assuming it was hers, wondering, assuming that because it was not, you know, it was a bit wary of us, it was because it was my sister's cat. Not that it was not Terrified. used, didn't know any of us or this space and was bricking it. Didn't know any of us.
2: What did you, how,
0: exactly, what did you do, like at the end of it? Like, like did well, we you had just to, let him my, out? My brother or? had to go, my, bro- my dad had to drive my brother um, back to the location at night, basically open the car door and chuck it out and and drive back like, like some sort of mafia hit
1: <laughs> basically yeah
0: um, don't tell anyone so, where you um, were the hilarious thing was that like we didn't know where my sister's cat was then because we assumed it was this cat because um, my, my dad was worried about this cat escaping so he'd secured the cat flap which basically stopped this stolen cat from
1: escaping but also stopped my sister's actual cat from getting in by the sounds of it I think your sister's probably quite happy you don't come down and visit more often yeah yeah causing absolute mayhem
2: Like, I've been excited about Yakuza for a little while. Like I played Yakuza 3 on the PlayStation 3 until my PS3 died. I was really upset because I was about halfway through it. And I've never had another PS3 since. But yeah, so I'm basically looking for an opportunity to go back to the world of Yakuza. And um, like Yakuza, it's about Japanese organised crime, I don't know if you can tell, the Yakuza. But it follows one main character throughout the mo- most of the series. And like, there's spin-offs that have different characters and stuff, but one main character and the idea is it's like him his relationship to the to the yakuza uh the characters that he meets the gang that he runs in it's like about this sense of like people camaraderie like honor among thieves like that that sort of thing but it's also basically and i've been hammering away at dan uh, about this it's so basically shenmue like it was sort of set up to effectively be non-official you know, spiritual successor to Shenmue when Sega sort of left the Dreamcast days behind. Like, it's got third-person combat. It's got uh, it's got lots of side activities for you to do. So in Yakuza Zero, for example, there's a screenshot of him, uh, the main character, riding on a Super Hang-On arcade machine, suggesting perhaps that maybe they'll have some like arcade machine like mini games in the game, which is obviously what happened with Shenmue. But Yakuza is just great. Yeah, it's like a really, really good series. And like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just very excited. Lots of Japanese games this year, like that I'm just super excited about, like Final Fantasy 15, Yakuza, Zero. Oh gosh, um, what was it? There's another one. There's another really, really big Japanese game. I can't remember what it is. But um, yeah, like lots of, lots of stuff along those lines. And basically I'm like, Dan, you should totally play these because you like Shenyu games. And he's like, I don't want to because I don't like fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's exactly what I say, Dan. How would you how would you describe your relationship with Shenmue? Has been something that's utterly rational and normal? Uh, I genuinely bit... I think
1: it is utterly rational and normal. I mean, I got a Dreamcast when it first came out. Um, it was my my parents got me as a present. They got me a Dreamcast, and I used to read magazines. I used to get like like the monthly Dreamcast magazine, and then over kind of months of reading that you get kind of this you hear about this this game Shenmue the Shenmue it's going to be amazing you don't. I didn't really know what it was but I heard about this game that was just just coming out it was going to be this incredible game it was going to literally be revolutionized games um and to an extent I do believe it did and yeah, the definitely. game the, the 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 game itself for the time was so different the concept of Every, within the game you had to go to sleep at the end of every night you had to return home and go to bed because you'd be too tired to carry on that was something yeah. that was pretty and this came out ooh this is 99? in the 90s 97, 98 I think 99 um, I think 99 I'm, but 90s anyway like yeah. late, late 90s shall we re- we'll, we'll we'll go, revolutionary we'll, we'll go generic we'll go late 90s the end um, of the 20th century but, but that but that came came out and I just loved it and I loved it was kind of as as much as it could be it was open world so you had side quests there was elements where you would go to an arcade and you would play different arcade machines or there's like little uh, kind of toy toys that you could buy and you could collect um all these different things and the story progressed and it's a very epic story and then the second game came along and that game continued that and it was amazing and really well received as well it wasn't just a case of uh it was a really niche thing. Um, it was very well received within the realm of the Dreamcast, but obviously the Dreamcast wasn't selling. The Dreamcast wasn't doing well, and it kind of faded. And with it, so did Shenmue. Now it had a brief renaissance where Shenmue Two did make an appearance on Xbox, but it because it didn't have it came out quite late in, on that in that kind of platform, and it didn't have the the support behind it. It didn't really go anywhere, and so it just kind of disappeared. But the problem is with Shenmue is that it did have such an epic story that at the end of Shenmue 2 there was literally the way which Shenmue 2 ended it very much changed the, sc- the scope of the entire series it was mm. that took it in a completely new direction and so for the story to end there as a fan who's loved these games I it was it was heartbreaking now P you mentioned a number of times about Yakuza and Yakuza. I'm not sure when the first Yakuza came out, um, but it was a good few years after Shenmue. And I think by that time, I wasn't wanting to play a game like Shenmue. I was just wanting to yeah. play Shenmue. I wasn't, I wasn't kind of craving the the mechanics of Shenmue. I was craving the story, and I wanted to know how that finished. Now, mm. last year, Shenmue Three was announced as a Kickstarter. I jumped right on there, paid my money. I, use a, I basically looked at it as a pre-order, so I've got Shenmue theoretically on my way at some point in the next 10 years. There's a space already for it on your shelf. There's a space already, well, <laughs> in, in my digital shelf, it's, it's sitting there, because it's only a download that I get. And I'm fully expecting it to be terrible. I'm fully expecting it to be terrible. I'm I'm expecting mm-hmm. to not enjoy it, but I'm, I just need closure, and that's literally all it is. I need closure on it. Um, and so that's why when you talk to me about Yakuza, I, I like the idea of it, but I'm not sold on it because I'm, I'm not really interested. The reason I'm interested in Shenmue is because it's Shenmue. I'm not interested in just playing another game like Shenmue. I've got plenty of games I need to play. I can't get into more series. Right? Would it help that? Okay, here's my top three points about why you should get this
2: game. One. Hang on, does does this need a jingle? No. <laughs> One. <laughs> da, da, da. You need. You can walk around Japanese, uh, real like real life Japanese city environments and they are as bright and vibrant as in, and, and as incredible as you would think they are they are like digital tourism they're amazing right What? that's my first Chris, Chris is now interested yeah Chris is now interested so um, second point okay second point throughout the game you get access to lots of different trinkets and items and pickups and stuff like that and there are a number of very detailed very garish gorgeous overly colourful suits that you can dress up in <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that your people are that your people have access to. And it's go, on. <laughs> go on, go <laughs> on. Number three, to defeat some enemies, well, to defeat a whole bunch of enemies, like you're fighting them in like fist, fisticuffs, basically. And the more powerful the move, the more spectacular the effects that spark off of your feet and fists and stuff like that. And there are a wealth of essentially wrestling moves that your character can take part in. So. In, I think it was Yakuza 3 which I played where I like I finished off one of the characters by booting him so hard in the face that sparkles came off of my
1: feet it was amazing Dan well those are three very good uh, arguments yes yes unfortunately none of those arguments uh fight back against the theory that it's not Shenmue and yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I, I appreciate the 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 sparkly suits sound splendid. The, I, I have I have no doubt that the uh, the surroundings are beautiful. Yeah. And maybe if it was just a one-off game that I could play, and would be no there's no interest in kind of playing more of that, I might be more interested. I don't. I can't get into another series at the moment because I've got so I've got a shelf yeah, full of got, games to play. Yeah, you've got a billion games. Exactly. You know. You know just as well as I do. I have a horrible habit of starting games and not finishing them to the point where I think at one point you guys came round and I think you came to like 20 games that I'd got but hadn't finished um, and we, we got into this pattern that every time we come
0: round we'd set ourselves the task that by the end of the weekend we'd be with you to finish a game what was that what was the last one we did with you where we came round and you, we watched you finish a game from your pile of
1: shame uh, I'm not sure I think might have, maybe it's, maybe it's a Tomb Raider. Might have been Tomb Raider. Yeah, it might have been actually. Or I know we did Rayman Origins. Yeah, that was the one I
0: remember. That was dope. I just love the idea that when one day when Dan retires, he's just gonna all he's gonna do, <laughs> yeah. only in his dreams for retirement. Other other elderly people will go. I don't know. Maybe go abroad somewhere. Maybe go to a home. Maybe downgrade to a small house.
2: Dan will just be going through his pile of shame, yeah. which will just keep growing. Oh, here's yep. a PS. A, a, a sort of mid mid-level, lukewarmly received PlayStation 3 game that I haven't completed yet. <laughs> Pretty much. I'll get right on that. I think we owe the listener
0: something because they need to know whether we went up Scarf Pike or not, don't they? We've been talking about it for a while, the last few shows Have every we year. Have mentioned
1: it? I don't, I don't for my
0: birthday. For my birthday, you come up to Liverpool, we climb a mountain. Um, My birthday's in November, it's a cold, wet time, you don't really want to be climbing a mountain at that point, so I kind of like the Queen, I have a second birthday in the summer, so... Uh, a couple of days ago you guys came up to see me in Liverpool. We had a lovely yep. time. Unfortunately, we didn't do the mountain because as I said last time, we wouldn't do it if the weather was
2: bad and the weather now, was really bad. The conditions were described as pretty poor, weren't they, by a seasoned yeah. mountaineering person. Yeah,
0: Sam spoke to his uh, friend who's as you say, a seasoned mountaineer and climber and said that it would be injudicious to climb it if there's poor visibility because you can it can be actually quite life-threatening. Do the actually it's quite dangerous. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's a good word. Oh, it's, it's a, very a great good word. word. I thought... Ooh, well, needs to get more a, of an outing.
2: This is a man I want to know.
0: Or a lady. So we... <laughs> very progressive. So we, um, so, so we didn't go to Scarfo Park. Instead, I think it was Sam's girlfriend Lisa had this brilliant idea of what we'd do as an
1: alternative. Mm. What, where did we go? What did we do? We went to a location in North Wales called Zip World. Um, zipper and in pa- world. Zip world, and in particular, oh, was it
2: Zip world or Zipper world? Zip. Zip world. Zipper world. Zip probably world. is a museum about the history of zips. Yeah, that would have been fascinating. That would extraordinary. The... Oh, oh, I can imagine it now. I can imagine it now. Zipper world. The ups and downs of the zipper industry. <laughs> That's a... Bringing everyone together. <laughs> wow. Uh,
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's. That was a that was a moment that we just had. I'm just I'm just trying to think of zip
0: zip based times. <laughs> I know there. you are, so am I. <laughs> I know. It's almost as good as the time we took for Dan Stag dear, We took him to the pencil museum. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, that was fun. Yeah, but that that but that that uh, that trip had a really serious point.
1: <laughs> Tumbleweed uh, flows past. Oh dear! Oh look, dear. look, look, look.
2: I know, that that, that pun dropped like lead.
1: Your dad jokes are coming
2: on... Very sharp. ...splendidly.
0: (laughs) Your children shall be arriving shortly. Don't worry, Dan, we we, we all hate being led on.
1: (laughs) Oh, come on, let's zip this up and move on
2: okay oh, oh come on we're just mixing out we're mixing our puns now right so we went to zip uh zip world, Where's zip world? what was it well p and
1: zip world what? is a is a place that has a number of different uh adventure activities whether that is yeah. zip lines or cave uh cave so really hardcore.
0: so climbing mountaineering
1: zip lines yeah. um kind of gorge walking what did we do that is part of well, we were going to do a really physical like activity so did we yep. do the yep. rock climbing did we do kind of all these no, kind of really easy. kind of hard... something, no, something we didn't. you're right
0: dan something that is similar to climbing a
1: mountain which is what yeah. we
2: were going to do yeah what yeah. did we so do we just thought like don't go on the zips that's just going down really fast there's no physical activity there why right. bother like why mountaineer it's
1: we fine. were on a bouncy trampoline
2: yeah we were on a bouncy trampoline underneath the ground in wales it was amazing it was extraordinary i have to say so,
1: i have to yeah. say when i when because i arrived on friday and you guys yeah. had already been there. You already decided we were going to do this. So I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." Fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a little look. Yeah. On. I didn't. didn't I had a little look online at it just so I could see what it was. And I'm not going to lie. My first thought was, "This looks like it's for children." Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I like, mean, that was this... one of the things that attracted me to it. The <laughs> idea that
2: the idea that like we'd be like bouncing around, going, "Hey, kids, having a great time," and a bunch of eight-year-olds looking at us, going,
1: "They're spoiling our fun." That was appealing
2: to you! Yeah, like a really nice sense of Schadenfreude. Like trampolining <laughs> plus Schadenfreude. Like perfect. Let's set the scene then for the listener. It's basically. It's not like a
0: bounty castle in a cave. You basically walk into no. walk, something akin to like the mines of Moria. Yeah. And you're you're in a helmet. You're wearing helmets. There's a hairnet randomly between yeah. the helmet and your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you get in there, and basically it's like several layers of trampolines with this mesh netting in this huge cave system. I mean, mm. like a hundred feet at least. Oh, loads, yeah, yeah. Loads. And you're looking, and yeah. you can look through the trampolines at the yeah. Ones each below. level is so suspended above the other. Yeah. By this network of ropes and um, like um, uh, metal stairs. And essentially, yeah, you're just bouncing away along. There are slides which take you down. Um, some, it took some of us quicker than others. down I'm sorry. The lower
2: levels. Those were some of the worst slides. i Right. The slides. I think the slides would have been really fun if I was wearing something like if I Silk. was wearing material that was slightly more. Yeah, like slightly slippery. Because I went down them and it was okay, but my trousers, <laughs> basically, they basically they 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 sort of caught a little bit on the on the tube a bit. And what ended up happening was I almost split split my butthole in half as I was like sliding down. There was like there was this like friction between the shorts and the slide and it was going right up there um, but we then did get these little nets didn't we that we had yeah. we, we could sit on that were like yeah little mat things and that helped out that that decreased the friction uh, between uh, the two surfaces we did often have to push you down different. the slide <laughs> that
1: was hilarious yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a great
2: video of Sam pushing Pete's head physically <laughs> <But> the, <laughs> the, slide. the, the slides were like really fun and then um, the thing that I really like, but I really just like the trampolining. I like the idea of, it was really strange. Like usually if you're, when you're going on a trampoline, your immediate reaction is to look down and see where it is that you're going to be jumping. Like, you know, you want to, you want to see the, the, the ground rushing towards you and then rushing away from you so you can predict when you need to, you know, uh, you know, bend your legs and put some more force back into it and that kind of thing. But the, the thing was, when you're there when you look down, what you're seeing is the ground that is like 40, 50 feet below you and also a little bit of netting that's just actually where you're gonna be landing. So it's this really strange thing where you have to kind of look a little bit forward not in the usual position but like yeah just like bouncing out underneath and stuff like that i was, i thought oh what I mean, Just amazing like really beautiful and cool in there and really well lit and really spacious and i mean caps. i
1: i for one don't have as much trampolining experience as you pete because as we yeah, all knows. know that you well, are you are very what experienced a loss to the rio olympics he was yeah if, i know i would have got a gold this year i reckon but you didn't want to <laughs> sh- you did not want to show other people up but i mean i i the, I mean when we talk about trampolining we're not talking about like with a like, with a proper trampoline you, you jump and you go pretty high the netting here it was bouncy but it wasn't like trampoline bouncy in the fact of you it would... wasn't like
2: it wasn't like a dedicated flat trampoline bouncy but it, you could get pretty high I mean I managed to get like a fair
1: few feet off of it like see I'm bouncing turns out isn't one of my strong suits yeah, no, you're not a bouncer. I'm not much of a bouncer. I was the first to fall. I spent a lot of
0: time falling over. Yeah, we all did. I mean, there's one point where I think, I don't know whose idea it was to have this great idea where the last one bouncing wins, because basically it is knackering. And it was your idea, Dan, Yeah, it's just ways away. Yeah. One and a half seconds into that, you both, you took both me and Pete <laughs> out. I mean, and then you sat on Pete at one point. Pete was already sat down and you <laughs> That
1: was because Pete was fell error. over behind me and then took out my legs.
0: Oh, God. And we made... I mean, we made at the of ourselves on that I mean one of the funniest bits was trying to run on these trampolines you just look like an ostrich
1: yeah it's exhausting but it's so much fun i tell you what the um, next day the next day I my legs were hurting really yeah I, not for the whole day because kind of in the morning my kind of thighs really hurting but what was weird I mentioned this to you Pete what was really weird on the night that we'd gone mm. we'd gone like first thing in the morning and then we'd been walk, we'd walked around all day, and we'd gone and got some food, and done different things, and blah blah blah. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. When I eventually went to bed and kind of your body finally kind of just relaxes, I had this such a really strange sensation in my legs, mm. especially of bouncing, of kind of just of yeah. movement. Yeah. It was a really yeah. bizarre thing. They're just lying there, thinking, I'm clear. I'm obviously I don't feel like I'm bouncing, but my muscles, there's a sensation in them that I can only compare to when I was jumping up and down on the trampoline earlier. It was really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, Did any of you guys get that?
0: Yeah, I got that as soon as we left it. There was one point where, because everything, because like all the, the trampolines are latticey, a like lattice p- pattern. And because it's quite dimly lit, it's not like brightly lit or anything, which gives it atmosphere. And there are like these metal, there are these, at some points, there are these kind of metal platforms which are also latticey. So sometimes, like, I would bounce off the trampoline onto what I thought was another trampoline but it was actually just a solid metal <laughs> kind of like gangway and my, I feel like my ankles were about to shatter um, and yeah and as we were walking out like out of the cave system afterwards my legs felt like really kind of like they had a bit of an extra bounce to them so it was quite cool no great I really recommend it and we had a lovely photo taken to commemorate that which yep. Uh, I think the three of us had converted put into as fridge magnets it's on my fridge now I'm looking at it now yep it's on my fridge a lovely fridge picture as well. of three figures soaring through the
2: air and one <laughs> figure sat on his ass. look it, well, I was tired <laughs> slash was, I'd
1: fallen at this point what was great was the woman who was taking the the, the picture of us she had said okay on the count of three jump okay Yeah. so she started yeah. counting one and immediately on one P2 standing between me and Chris. Put your hands on our shoulders and push us into the air.
2: So I just thought. Saw- I just thought I'm gonna I'm gonna give this all it's worth. I'm gonna get myself a little bit of an extra le- like leg up on this and just start the bouncing early so I can get into a decent rhythm.
1: Oh, and <laughs> what's because- a metaphor for our friendship that was.
2: Because <laughs> well, you were kind of
1: oversold it to begin with. When we, by the time she got to three, that you by this time you'd fallen over and you were sat down. So we were all up in the air. You Amazing. you you ruined yourself there, Pete. But yeah, good time. And we stopped off and had fish and chips on the way back. Yeah, we, um, we went to Colwyn Bay, sat by the seaside eating fish and chips.
0: Again,
2: for the second time. It was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Classic classic British summertime activity. Go to a fish and chip shop, go and pull up to a bay. It's raining. You eat the fish and chips in the car, and then you drive back home again. Like, classic, classic British summer activity. And great. To be honest, I loved it. I thought yeah. it was great.
0: And then we came back, we played a load of board games. Dan, at long last, played Dice Masters. Yep. Yeah. Pete, you played Odin's Ravens with me. Um, oh, our mutual friend. Oh, Odin's
2: Ravens! Oh. Beautiful little two-player. It's a great game. game, isn't it? What a lovely game! Like From Osprey Games. Yeah, like so. Our pal Duncan works at Osprey Games, doesn't he? I don't know his exact uh, job title, but we're going to call him King of Games. Yeah, King of Games, Duncan Malloy. Uh, basically, uh, he's our pal, and um, and like he's been going on about like this Odin's Ravens game, right? I'd heard of it before, and I'd heard you guys talking about it a little bit, and I just thought, I'll have to give this a go at some point. I never I never grabbed it, I never actually purchased it. I bought... um, What was it? What am I looking at? I bought, King is uh, Dead? Yeah, The King is Dead. I bought The King is Dead, and I absolutely really, really love that. One of the things that The King is Dead has, which is just really clear throughout Odin's Ravens, and I think the rest of their games, is like the production value, yeah. the quality of the pieces is just... It's just another level. Like, it's just it's like like every one you buy feels like the deluxe one like mm. it's just really really nice but yeah odin's ravens man like 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 chris you were showing me this and it's basically it's basically a race between two ravens two player game you have a a, a piece that represents your raven and then you draw from a pile of cards that shows shows the kind of landscape that you can travel across and if you have one of the landscape uh, that is next for your Raven along this horizontal line, you can play one of those cards. So if the p- two pieces of landscape, if the two cards of are the same landscape, you can use one of those to move once along that landscape. And then the next piece of landscape would probably be a completely different uh, uh, landscape card entirely. So you might go from like, you know, like, nice wilderness to uh icy mountain or something like that but if you don't have one of those all you need to do is play two of any kind of landscape and you can get through it so it's all about it's a game about efficiency right it's a game about it's about it's about looking at what's coming next and going right well i know in three moves time i'm going to need this card so i'll just hold on to that but i'll i'll keep drawing cards so i can I can uh, I can get through this particularly tricky one. And then there's these, I don't know what the technical term Loki for them is. Cards. Loki, Loki cards. Loki cards, that's the one. Then there's these Loki cards which change things up. So it's like, it's almost like things that affect other players or can affect you. So it's like pushing a player back or pushing yourself forward or removing uh, removing parts of landscapes entirely. So you can just skip past them. Like you might get to a bit where it's particularly thorny and just pulling the wrong cards and it's just not happening. So you just play a Loki card and you get rid of it. Really nice, really changes up the gameplay. Like Really nicely it adds adds a adds to a game that could feel quite passive.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's a light nice game, but it's quite a nice. It's a lovely game to have. It's a nice game when you're just chatting but with but mates. Yeah, what know, I'm so saying. What I'm saying things. is
2: those those Loki cards make it feel slightly like slightly less passive. Yes. like it feels like you're you can directly change how things are going. It's it's yeah. much less about it's a it's partly about mitigating your luck, but it's also about screwing up your your opponent's plans. Exactly, That's it really, makes really, it really not like just
1: about the race to the end. It's a strategy of okay how can I get to the end and stop the how can I get to the end beating the other person as opposed to
2: just going fast and it's so lovely yeah it's absolutely so it's on my it's on my wish list now I need to I need to grab a copy of it because so many two player card games when they're or two player board games in fact when they're like competitive I don't particularly like them because you like two thirds of the way through the game you're always you usually end up going well clearly I've won or clearly I've lost and it's like like you're like well I may as well keep going because I'll be a bad sport but like Odin's Ravens never really feels like that it felt really close between you and me Chris like it felt yeah like the race was always on like you were one or two behind me or I was one or or two behind you it was
1: like really yeah I mean I I played it with with my wife and she's she's not really a a big board game player and we played i think we played just three times in a row and she loved it and he, mm. each time it was really really close but it's yeah, because yeah, you can yeah. because it's a really short game it'll probably you'll probably finish it in say 15 minutes mm. you just put them back out again and you can play again and it's a really quick and re, the replayability there is that sense of all right i'll have one more game just one more game rather than some mm. some bigger stuff you dedicate 45 minutes into playing and you're like okay i'm not going to play another 45 minutes of that it's such a short kind of i wouldn't go as far as say bite size because it's not but it's no it's not a micro it's game it's concise it's, it's really nice and that. concise it's to me it's it's um it's in the same
2: realm as like a machikoro or a or a, a, a sushi go in mm. that it's like it feels like it feels like well it's like it, it, I I really like. I always like saying this. It feels like sorbet. It's like gaming sorbet, right? Like sometimes you need, you want a big chunky thing to play, and then if you've got like if you're playing across an entire afternoon, you want a big chunk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like 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 a big chunky thing to play, and then you want something slightly smaller and not quite as involved but still taxes you to some extent and i think that and and before you go on to something that's you know before you go on and play scythe or um you know some mad deep game and i think odin's ravens is 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 that kind of a game it's that it's that hey hey have you got 20 minutes have you got half an hour like here's a really fun compact game with a very good knowable set of closed rules oh it's just yeah
0: yeah, really nice. Yeah, Osprey are one of my favourite games companies. I mean, they are, as you say, Pete, their attention to detail with the the quality of the of the materials themselves mm. is just very, it's exemplary. I,
1: I've, I've seen quite a few of their, kind of, quite a few of the games, whether it's King is Dead or Odin's Ravens, there's another one called uh, Escape from Aliens in Outer Space, and yeah. absolutely, constantly, the thing you go back to is the production quality of these things. Yeah. is amazing. It's, just, so when it's you, ludicrous. So when you put that alongside, kind of, really really nice kind of kind of mm. artwork and stuff like that the kind of the dynamics um i mean you look at Odin's raven's it's so easy to pick up and play because the the rules are complex but they're so easy to understand that you don't have to yeah. spend ages reading through a manual saying oh i don't really understand this they're super easy to pick up and so yeah th- that's what that those are the things that i've kind of taken any time i've seen any any of their work but chris it no, wasn't These. the only game that we played, was it, when uh, we were up
2: there. What we decided, Chris, what we did was you and me and Sam, we went on an adventure in space. We certainly did. We you went, certainly went on a, you did. a dreadful adventure, puns genius. We went on a dreadful adventure, which is a clever way of me saying that, Dan, you ran Dread, which was like a pen and paper RPG with Jenga. Yeah,
0: it's my first time playing an RPG and Dan, it's the first time you're playing it as well. I mean we talked about it last week in terms of the mechanics of it, but briefly Dan, explain to us what is dread.
1: Well in a in a traditional kind of uh, pen and paper RPG, you have a you have the, 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 the role of the dungeon master or kind of the yeah. games master type person who yep. in in terms of dread acts like as more even more so as a narrator to the story. So yeah. um, for this i wrote a story and then you each had characters that you developed Do you developed yourself and then i created a story which you guys went through and you made your own decisions and you kind of worked within the world that i created for you to tell the story that i wanted to tell um no, so- no. just just to clarify because because i mean i've played
2: pen and paper rpgs but like it pen and paper rpgs are really strange in their setup and i think it's worth exploring that just just very quickly mm-hmm. you like chris sam and i were quote unquote playing and you were basically supervising like like i guess that's what like not, maybe not supervising but you were sort of the director Facilitating, yeah well like yeah facilitating like you were the director of the story like you'd cr- you'd you create big chunks well huge chunks of this story I'd say most of it is like your own work obviously it's inspired by other bits and pieces like I totally saw little nods to like alien and little nods to uh uh um, well it was, it was one of those things if you're going to do a horror story set in space yeah. there are certain tropes you have to hit <laughs> you, you've got to go for certain things but like so you'd done all of this preparation and then you were you you were essentially you your role was essentially to make sure that we had a nice time and to or to also to to make sure the rules were enforced
1: um, yeah, so, I mean, the rules so that, that make this different to kind of pen and paper RPG traditional ones where a lot of it's based on kind of perception checks and dice rolls and all those dice things. Rolls, and yeah. those are all things that I have no idea about. I've I've never right. played an RPG. So all that stuff, completely alien to me. So what's great about this dread is all that stuff is replaced by a tower of Jenga. So if at any point in the game you want to do something, which me as the, the kind of the dungeon master type role, I feel is beyond your regular capabilities I would ask you to pull from the tower so if you wanted to try and succeed at that you would have to pull from the tower if you didn't if I said if you said you wanted to do this and I said okay you have to do you have to you have to pull you could then say actually no I don't want to and move on because you might if the tower falls that's basically you die so then, that that that's factored into the story. So that's game over for for you. The tower is then rebuilt and continues with the other players. So there is the good thing about it is as the game progresses, obviously that tower becomes more and more precarious. And so, if I'm doing my job right, the story itself should be getting more tense. And that is then exacerbated by the 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 fragility of the tower, which kind of they mm. both play into each other, making everything more tense. And so, that's kind of. The way I did it was I worked out a story with specific events that I had to hit as it went through. And then beyond that, how you got to those bits, you guys decided, if I thought maybe you'd miss something um, because you just hadn't gone somewhere, I might try and move you into a direction, but using the story to do that. Not just saying, you've missed something, go back. Creating something in the story to force you to turn around for whatever reason. Mm. So. There was one point when you you rushed into a room that i I wanted you to go somewhere else first, so I had yeah. an alien creature block your path and try and try and create a, a reason for you to not go any further. Oh, I loved it. I
0: think for anyone who's curious about RPGs but maybe turned off by the idea because they've seen it stereotypically being depicted in a uh, in a kind of an unfortunate light as this kind of kind of geeky overly fantastical thing the the beautiful thing about dread is there's a kind of elegance to it because all of the decisions are kind of both uh decide on your by your dexterity but everything is about the jenga so the tension is in the jenga but the game remembers you don't have to remember for it because you just need to look at the jenga in terms of how far you've come and how close you are to um peril essentially and as a drama teacher it, it just smacked of the kind of the improv drama games I do with my students, but kind of on another level. And it was really, really exhilarating. The three of us, Dan, uh, sorry, Sam, Pete and I waking up on the ship, meeting each other, kind of for the first time, knowing, getting to know each other's characters, you know, the ones that we've kind of spoken to you about, but we've never spoken to each other about. Um, finding out our, our respective quirks and then making decisions as these characters in this kind of environment with this unknown threat of trying to sh- both shed light as to what this threat is at the same time make decisions as to whether we should try and escape the ship or look for survivors or try and kill this threat. Mm-hmm. And and basically how we worked our way through the kind of almost like the game landscape you'd created really.
2: Um, it was utterly fascinating. Yeah, I mean, no, um, definitely. I, I thought it was. I think you did a really amazing job actually. Like you kept it I think the really important thing was that you kept it going uh when we went off on one or like when we were taking things slightly less seriously or like you always managed to bring it back on track which i think was really, really good um like i i guess i guess and it was and it was also like a rollicking story like it felt like i felt like i was there and i like i think that's what pen and paper rpgs do really, really well it's that feeling of like for the first ten minutes, everyone's a little bit like, "Oh, this is a little bit silly," and 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 whatever. And yeah, we're we're slaying dragons in the the tombs of Drachmor or whatever. Uh, like you know, or we're you know space citizens, and we've we're going out here and we're we're finding these weird creatures and stuff. And you're like, yeah, for the first ten minutes, it feels a little bit awkward. But then you get into it after those first ten minutes. So like all of those boundaries are gone because you've come up against something really messed up or really really cool or whatever. And then. Yeah, like you start to sink into the characters and then suddenly you're really invested in like, yeah, I think your story did really, really well with that. Um, like it had those moments of, okay, here's a here's a significant plot point It's gonna draw you back into the thing. It's gonna keep the focus on the, on the story and stuff like that. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really, really good. And actually, I really liked Dread. I thought Dread's, I, th- I really thought Dread was good. It feels like a really good entry point into like getting into pen and paper RPGs, doing away with that, as you say, Chris, like this miss, this misconception about what pen and paper RPGs are, making it much more accessible for, you know, I, I would have no problem whatsoever, you know, playing a game of Dread with people who are just like, quote unquote, like non-gamers, like people who just don't see themselves as people who play games, but would happily play a game of Monopoly or, you know, or, or something a little bit like straightforward, you know?
0: Okay, so uh, as you know, it's my second birthday. I did. I wasn't aware. I wasn't expecting. Well, it's not your today. second birthday. No, <sighs> no, that's true. Yeah. So, but it's nice. I was. It was very kind. I wasn't expecting gifts. I got. Um, you bought me a lovely two-player card game. You did? Called Matcha, which I'm very looking forward to playing. Based on um, tea. Very exquisite. Where you have to basically, cut, um, amass the ingredients to make your own cup of tea. Essentially. Yes. Um, I also got this incredible QI mug, mm. which combines two of my favourite things: trivia. And tea, yeah. And notable because it has probably one of my favourite ever um, expressions What's that? Um, for anything really. And in this context, according to this mug, so basically it's a lovely QI mug, and it has just loads of facts about tea, including like one of them is that like in um, Nepal they used to measure distances not in miles but in numbers of cups of tea it would take to drink to get you there. Brilliant. Just, just genius. But here's my favourite expression: that there, they, they're a 19th century slang term for pour the tea was bitch the pot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> which is, I think, the only I, way in which we can describe. I can't the even off. fathom. Like I can, I can understand the term "I'll be mother." Like I can understand that term, <laughs> which is the, which is, which is a kind of sexist term of mother would always be the person who pours out the tea because you know. In, at that time, it was like women's places in the kitchen and all that sort of stuff. Like, so it's like I'll be mother pouring out the tea because it's like oh, ha, 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 ha. we're all gentlemen in a thing and it's weird and it's the 19th century. I I've not managed to wrap my head around the phrase "bitch the pot." It's one of those gorgeous it... expressions. It sounds sounds like it's very it much sounds... from
0: the 19th century, but it also sounds like it's like it is like it could be a modern day street expression.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds. Like it's a sentence out of the comic book from hell. But, like, it also could be a sentence uh, uttered down some sort of, like, housing projects. Right. Okay.
0: So, yeah, bitch the pot. So, our entire weekend, we were just, if we wanted a cup of tea, we just tell the other person to bitch the pot. You could just bitch the pot. I played... I uh, was I was, I was gaming with Sam this morning. We played a, some, a brief bit of a siege and our chat group was called Bitch the Pot but Sony censored out bitch so it was just the pot disgraceful I know what is this what's what's happening what, so yeah, what is happening
2: to the world where you can't use a weird 18th or 19th century phrase for pouring tea <laughs> I also got uh, Pete you, you bought me a, 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 a text text Batman a tome.
0: comic because you know I'm a massive Batman fan. You bought yeah. me a tome, yes, indeed. so I thought I'd get you a classic. Um, published in was it 1990?
2: Was it? It was published. Ooh, that's a that's a good era for Batman. It is. It's we're it's about it's to find just, out. If it is. It, it's pre it's pre Shenmue. hmm Yeah, um, <laughs> pre Shenmue, but but post Frank Miller. And yeah. Published pre- in 1990. Frank, Frank yeah. Miller going utterly bonkers, but yeah. It's a. But it's not it's, Frank Miller, is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Chris? Well, who's the I mean,
0: he—he he was probably the Frank Miller of his day, a gentleman probably. called Pepe Moreno. Oh, okay. Who's written this text? Batman: Digital Justice, and yeah. there's, a, there's a there's a there's a a kind of a a badge on the front, emblazoned across it, which says that this is computer generated. It's brilliant, brilliant. All the visuals. Yeah, and essentially, what it Not is, words. it's a graphic novel that was drawn on a computer. I mean, it's probably one of the most
2: hyped books. More hyped than I think. The cursed I mean, child. I've had a flick through this, and the visuals are, let's not muck about. Like they, they look like they look like the sort of sprites that you would get in the original Doom. Yeah. Like, like I mean, that's maybe a little bit harsh, but it's not that harsh. No. And then there's like a kind of a Microsoft Paint quality to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like some of the 3D models and stuff in there are a little bit like how to describe them. Like they're very they're, clearly they're very proud of them. Clearly, they're very proud of the three D models that are in there, but they're not anything to write home about, are they? Well, maybe they are, but this is shit. Would be what you would like be like writing home. I mean, uh, I,
1: I had a quick look through it as well, and the, the, there's a lot of things to say about it, and there's a lot of things you can like yeah. and dislike about it. personally, my favourite bit was its was its use of smell. And yes, I was literally about to comment on that, Dan. Dan, Dude, how would you describe I'm the smell? So spat out his water for, as
0: a birthday present. How would you yeah. describe the smell, Dan?
2: What does it smell like to you? Uh, musky. Musky? No, it's not musky, musky. Dan. I, I'm it's, imagining
1: it's, it's, it's the smell of a musky old man's pub.
2: Yeah, it's stale yeah. cigarettes and sadness. <laughs> but like, it's, it's 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 it certainly smells terrible because it's out of print, basically. I, well, I assume it's out of print. I assume DC went, yeah, let's just let's just leave that. Let's just never ever talk of this ever again. But what's? Um, we, but, we, I mean, you're saying it was got it got hyped up, didn't it? It got. It hyped got incredibly up. hyped My up. It's boy for you, Chris. Who who hyped it up? I think it was. I hope it just
0: here we go. I'll, I'll read you the back actually. So just it's this little bit here, just to quote you here, because okay. it's a rare book. So actually, it's, this is quite a, this is quite an occurrence. I'm very. I feel very lucky that you managed to track this down for me, Pete.
2: Yeah, no, I know. Right.
0: I mean, obviously I'm, you I'm, tracked it down. You just didn't find it randomly in some kind of bookshop. I'm a giver. (laughs) Yes. Digital justice, which took more than a year to create, puts the latest advances in computer graphics at the service of what comic books have become at the dawn of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. A state-of-the-art combination of 3D modelling, raster and vector painting and drawing programmes, page layout and storytelling. It was produced on a Macintosh 2 system with an 8-bit, 32-bit colour board, Oh. A system palette of 16 million possible colours. Oh. Eight megabytes of RAM. A removable how many? 40, <laughs> Eight megabytes, 8 megabytes of RAM, oh. A removable 45 megabyte hard disk drive. Very detailed in terms that of That is specs. very detailed. <laughs> and, is and a 19-inch like Trinitron monitor. It's even given the specs as to how
2: big the monitor was in which they were <laughs> looking this is, this is like the first example of those dickheads that you get on internet forums who they'll write out their piece of hatred into like a GameSpot game forum and at the bottom it'll be like, and this is the spec of my PC, like in every forum post. And you'll be like, what? I don't care. Yeah, so, Many- so, so this, this is the novel equivalent of that. And then what happened? And the, and the Many of the software to- programs used in, used in creating the book were in
0: beta version but are now available, available commercially. The lettering was designed to duplicate the look and charm of traditional comic book hand lettering. Mm. very detailed and really detailed. really not needed <laughs> no yeah I mean I mean, like... I, I, I mean I need to press on because I don't think you can get a sense as to what this comic is about until we get a get a, a sense as to who Pepe is
1: okay, okay. okay. Pepe oh, I, I absolutely 100% the man agree of the future Let's talk
0: about for him, more then. than a decade the Spanish born Pepe Moreno has been in the forefront of popular artists mm. his early reputation was the result of his efforts as a designer and animator and incidentally playing in a San Francisco punk rock band. That
2: That is incidentally... Like, that's nothing to do with the book whatsoever. Well, neither the speck of the monitor, but anyway. <laughs>
0: Later, his graphic novels, Rebel, Joe's Air Force, Gene Kong, and a collection of early short stories compiled in Zeppelin, earned him international renown. Really? As an innovative visual storyteller with a unique approach to layout and design, and a savagely humorous vision of humanity.
1: He's totally weird himself. A Bohemian himself.
0: Technocrat. Yeah. Moreno was one of the first oh, comics whoa, whoa, artists. Whoa whoa
2: whoa whoa. Whoa whoa whoa. Sorry, read that again. My brain just self self-immolated. A Bohemian Technocrat. No. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that doesn't mean anything. A Bohemian Technocrat. That's not even a word. I I don't
0: it's two, Dan. <laughs> Moreno was one of the first comic artists to realise the enormous possibilities at the Macintosh computer yeah. as a creative tool and to apply those possibilities to his work. Yeah. As our knowledgeable editor says, Pepe is a true visionary. Right. What he's into now is what we'll all be into ten years' time.
2: Yeah. Heaven yeah. knows games where that Pepe like... will be by then. Yeah, making games that... Uh, making comic books that look sub-Quake. Yeah. This, this... Um, there's a... Um... There's a bit right at the front of that book as well,
1: which is like what it's going to be compared to. It'd be great to get that quote as well. <laughs> that kind of, oh, de- yeah. what Chris just read, that kind of sounds like the kind of thing that you hear being kind of told to the, the people of North Korea about the, the the president. Yeah, yeah,
2: like, like he is a visionary. Oh, I don't think he... Bang! Yeah. He is Here a visionary. <laughs> so, this, so, Digital Justice, title of this book, will be compared
0: to not... May be compared, will be compared, right? Yeah, to the such dystopian visions as Nineteen Eighty Four, Brave New World, Blade Runner, the novels of Philip K. Dick, the works of the so-called cyberpunk writers in recent science fiction, and of course the classic Batman comic books that inspired it. Although it has elements in common with all of these, it is something more—a
2: graphic novel more. of suspense, <laughs> and higher more. more than all of those. The Nineteen Eighty Four. I mean, I more mean, Philip K. Dick is all good and well, World. but this is someone else. This is oh oh yeah Aldus Aldus Huxley yeah you thought he was good I mean he won all sort he won a Hugo but whatever like because Batman Digital Justice is here to show us to show us what what a a future society really looks like. Although it has elements
0: in common with all of these, it has something more: a graphic novel of suspense and high adventure that comments on the redeeming power of myth. It both criticises and embodies the technology that is changing how we think.
2: How we live, yeah. and quite possibly, yeah. who we are. No, so that's amazing. What an I'm, amazing. I look forward lit- to reading no. it. At the moment, I-, I think we are judging the book by its cover. So, we, well, we literally are doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing a game book, a digital game book, actually. I've been playing it for a little, well, a couple of hours now, because um, I ju- literally. Got sent a code this morning of the day that we are recording this, and I was very excited um, because I've wanted to see how Tin Man Games would handle a, uh, a game book called *The Warlock of Firetop Mountain*.
1: Before you continue, can you please explain to me what is a game book? Thank you. Dan. Okay, so a game book. Do you remember back in the day, you would
2: go into a library and you'd you'd walk past all the all the like you'd you'd see a architecture. No, no interest. No. <laughs> no interest you see B um, we're not going B, through the alphabet B, uh, boxing yeah all of these things you see all these things you think no too many words no, not enough pictures <laughs> that's what I thought <laughs> so no, your, library didn't have, your library didn't have <clears> the <throat> Dewey Decimal
0: System then No, I I can't remember I don't even know what that is just 26 so, uh, sections
2: I'll, <laughs> that's I'll it. admit I'll admit it anthropology didn't get a look in because architecture had already taken A's place yeah 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 no, no, real interest in reading. So um, I've cultivated a complete disinterest in reading uh, throughout my life. So um, a game book were the kind of books that I liked when I went into the library. So you basically you would pick it up, proper, you know, book with a cover. Well, that's a book, right? <laughs> so yeah. a proper book, you know, with a cover. And well, uh, you know, like some people might think, oh, it's like this big complicated. You know, that's thing. just loose pages without it. Well, it's just, you know, it's like if somebody says game book, like, you know, it's not quite the same thing, right? But it's just a book with a cover. However, um, so you, you open it up, turn it, up turn, turn it, as you traditionally do, to page one. And uh, it will give you an introduction. It will say, this is what a game book is. And the idea is essentially that you will read through the book. And at certain points, the, the book says, right, you can make a choice here. You can either turn left or you can turn right. If you go left, turn to page 43. Ah. If you go right, turn to page 207. Like make your own adventure? It's like the I Ching. Yeah, so all of these things. So um, I think it was also, they were also referred to as uh, choose your own adventures. Yeah, um, my brother had like the goosebumps. Selection. Yeah, so there's a, b- a bunch of different places did this. One of the most famous ones in like game book circles, and but I guess wider than that because this is one of one of the first ones, basically, certainly one of the most prominent ones, there was a book called The Warlock of Firetop Mountain, and it's kind of been it's kind of held up as this like perfect example of how game books should play out. Like it's got this cool fantasy setting, you can replay it a whole bunch of times, like taking different routes, you go like different different routes would allow you to sort of double back on yourself which was actually it's 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 slightly more complicated than like it that is actually a fairly complicated thing to do like and obviously all of these books which incidentally were written by steve jackson and ian Livingstone, those names should be very very familiar to you so steve jackson ian livingston they helped i mean ian livingston for example um is the dude what brought, helped bring over um, Games Workshop? In fact, I think both of them had a hand in bringing over Dungeons and Dragons and like other big games like that. Like they really kickstarted the UK's like fantasy geek circle stuff. Like America had like Gary Gygax and and, and that clique of people, but in the U- in the UK it was like yeah Steve Jackson and Livingstone and like a select number of others. And so they they both wrote these these books, and this is from both of them. And um, it's like, as I say, it's like this fantasy setting, really interesting adventure. Uh, and the idea is that you start out at the start of, at the base of the mountain, and then you go in and you go in through these caverns and there's goblins and orcs, and you've got to fight trolls and all that sort of stuff. But there's also, you know, you'll rescue people, you'll, you know, you find people who are being tortured and you have to just say, well, do I save them? Do I not? And if like, There's a classic example of like um, you go into one room and uh, somebody's being tortured and there's like cries for help and stuff like that. You go in and suddenly this person rushes you and like it says like make a decision. You either draw your sword and attack them or you you shout them down and say like I'm not your enemy or something like that. And depending on what decision you make, depends on what the outcome is. Like you could immediately attack them and get into a fight. We'll come on to that in a second, and maybe kill them. Or they they go, oh, oh, okay, you're actually my friend. Like, they break down, they start crying, and then they're like, here, take this thing, it'll help you in the next part of your quest. Like, an RPG, basically. These are effectively RPGs in literary form, right? There is a combat system as well in this original game book. I'm still talking about the original game book here. There's a combat system as well, and it was based around, like, rolling dice, I think it was. And, like, essentially you have a certain amount of... um, I think there's three stats: uh, skill, stamina, and luck. And they're you essentially do like skill checks, like dice rolling skill checks, and like you have stamina, so you can take a certain amount of hits. You deal a certain amount of damage. You get different weapons that adds adds scores and armor and stuff like that. All of these things. I actually played a PSP and an iPhone adaptation, two separate adaptations of *The Wildlock Firetop Mountain* uh, a few years ago, and they I thought they were pretty good. They were pretty standard like felt like very much like okay yeah this is just a, a digital version of a of a game book. Tin Man Games I thought this is going to basically be roughly the same thing because Tin Man Games make a lot of these game book choose your own adventure style things and I kind of thought yeah they'll probably end up going down this relatively not boring but quite kind of like safe yeah let's just do this this one book justice and just play it quite safe and actually instead what they've done is they've made this inc- genuinely fantastic adaptation that is way more than just a game book like it so it, it have you guys played like any um like twine literary fiction where it's like you uh, like choose your choose your own adventure stuff where it's like here's a whole bunch of text and then you have three options like I, I think I, I played assuming. a few of
1: them when we were a few months back when we were planning our uh, making our own game the christmas game we made yeah um I. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. in kind of prep for that i played quite a few of those
2: Yeah. So there's so there's like like games like that, like um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which we've played before, like all that sort of stuff. So it's it's that that's kind of like the format. And then everything is visually represented in this gorgeous 3D kind of feels a bit like the tabletop miniature game that that um, I think Games Workshop. Uh, did a, a version of it there was a basically there was a miniatures version of the warlock on far top mountain at one point it feels a little bit like that it feels like this this really really deluxe board game that you're playing you're still making choices like go left go right or you know sneak past the guard or stab him in the in the guts or whatever but but it just feels like it feels so much more of like a Again, like this luxurious version of it. it. feels like they could have just done a really easy like yeah, you, you make your choices, and that happens, and it's all done through text, and that would have been fine, but this this is like you make your choice, you see your guy move along, you get a real sense and perspective of where you are like there's this as I said, I've been playing for like an hour and a half now, just like just starting to get into it and um the whole point of the game is that you're meant to replay it and replay it and replay it and there's plenty of other characters to unlock and loads more to see and like you'll go down some paths in one game and just won't be able to you know and and you will never see those paths ever again because there's so many different choices that you can make but like there's this one path that you go down or at least i went down and it was like this it's like this dwarven. Hallway, like with dwarven big, massive dwarven statues either either side, and the, the the description of it is is pretty good. Like you're reading it, and it's 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 meant to be quite fast paced. These games, so it's not it's massively detailed in terms of its description, but then you see it visually, and it's just like it just gives you this complete sense of perspective as where you are, mm. like this sense of place. And it's really it really does like bring this 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 world to life in in a way that other versions and other adaptations and in fact i think the original source material don't quite do the other thing is that they've changed like the way that the the combat works so that it's not boring as hell like a lot of these game books kind of were based around like well i've got x amount of strength and you've got x amount of strength let's roll a dice and see what happens because and you just add dice to strength or whatever whatever the heck it was and that was fine like for a game book that's absolutely fine but for like a video game, you want a bit more than that. And they've added this layer of strategy where you are, when you enter combat, you have, you, you're placed into a tiled grid that's based on the area that you're actually in. Again, like lots more attention to detail. And the stra- the strategy is much more advanced because you can trade blows or you can avoid, you can dodge and get out of the way. You can actually... On this grid system, you can say, well, I know that my enemy is going to attack this turn because they'll do, like, a little shaky motion. Like, you visually have to have to really keep an eye on your enemies and see what they're going to do. I know that they're going to attack this turn, so I'm just going to move to the... The, the square to the side and that's just going to mean that their attack completely misses and then I'm going to trade a blow when I know that they're going to move because they can only move into this square so I'm going to attack the square they're about to move into and then do lots of extra damage. There's special moves and that kind of stuff but those special moves take time to, 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 to regenerate there's save systems which again is something that game the game books didn't really do like the best you had with game books was like a bookmark hold your thumb yeah like a bookmark you'd be like or like hold your thumb and like read ahead like do i want to go down here yeah that's fine (laughs) um like it just it gives you these save systems it's got like a souls mechanic where you can like absorb souls through combat and i think that you you get some extra stuff from going through it. Like I'm not I'm not 100% sure on like where that's gonna go. But again, it feels like all of this stuff is just eating into this or, or like pushing into this like replayability, which is really interesting. And like, it's just another really great game book. Like it's a really great adaptation of that choose your own adventure style gameplay mechanics. But it's done in, in a way that basically just pushes the genre forward. Like basically anything other than this now, this level of like, this level of like quality in terms of like, this is a very luxurious production of what a game book is, like a very deluxe version of it. Anything less than that, I think that people are just gonna now compare it to these. Like basically now it's the Warlock of Firetop Mountain and basically now Sorcery 4 when it comes out, it now needs to beat this. It's really great because like between Sorcery and the Warlock of Firetop Mountain, this year we've had like two really, really awesome uh, digital gamebook adventures and i think that's just yeah it's really really exciting it's like a really exciting time for that relatively niche space do you know do you know how much these will kind of retail for when they'll come out yeah so like these guys usually price at like three or four pounds but they tend to do like very straightforward uh like game book adaptations well not super straightforward but they've they, they do really good decent adaptations of of uh, yeah uh, look, they look lovely they are, are lovely they're, the they're absolutely lovely here. and the artwork is always fantastic and, and, and again and there's like, a few the, already up there the 2D art in, in Warlock is is, is beautiful like really well done Like the whole thing is just very well presented the UI I know it's like a really minor thing but the UI in these games is always really important the way that you actually interface with the with mm. like how you actually move things along and it works really well in this so they're usually like you know sub five pounds this one is on a different level and subsequently this one is It's quite pricey. So it's coming out on August 31st and it's gonna retail for about 15 pounds. That's on Steam. Uh, it's gonna be on PC and Mac. I don't know if it's gonna come to mobile or anything like that. It feels like a game that could, but I don't know if it will. And that's basically the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of in two minds about it. Like, I really love the game and obviously I think it's really fantastic. I genuinely think this is a really, really cool game, and I think if you're a Gamebook fan, that fifteen pounds for this is absolutely bang on. I genuinely think it's worth every single penny. To come back to this Dread thing, it feels like a, it feels like the natural single player evolution of that. That is what the Gamebook is, um, and uh, and yeah, this is just a really great adaptation.
0: So we went out to Zifferblatt. We played some board games. We were about for about, about three less, hours. Less, we we don't have to talk about this. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. right. No, go on, Chris. And um, Sam's girlfriend Lisa had very kindly made us a load of tiffin mm. to Ooh, go up the mountain. Lovely bit,
2: uh, which and we she, ate. Now, Chris, she makes top quality tiffin. Let's Damn not strip. let's not muck about here.
1: I think that to be fair, I think this is
2: important. Very it important. It is. It is the best tiffin
0: she's a very talented baker and um it was it's just extraordinary it's just like alchemy and yeah, it, so, it really is but and we, we've been very democratic when i was serving cutting up i made sure that we each had a piece equally yeah and dan had like that, left yeah. his piece you know Ooh. his he put his in the fridge the night before um after we would had a massive debate that went on to into three in the morning which we're yeah, not going to talk about here or ever fun. again yeah yeah no, or ever again. again it's the closest yeah, we ever come to a bloody argument and debate <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> cool. uh, um so we had um
2: So this, has Dan left so you your piece of Tiffin?
0: Left your piece of tiffin. No, as we were leaving for Ziffabat, you and Sam had gone off ahead, probably talking yeah. about, I don't know, magic or whatever. Because <laughs> yeah. you were gonna play magic there. <laughs> and um I I Dan and I walked out of my flat, and Dan says, "Oh my word, I've got to go and get my bit of tiffin." Yeah. So Dan goes back. Dan goes back into the flat, grabs the tiffin, right. comes back out. It. So right. t- nothing I else.
1: N- it. story ends there. Happy nothing days. else went right yeah, a the flat
0: behind me. We go off to yeah. Sifflack. We have a lovely time. Yeah, have a lovely you time. You and though, Sam yeah. play some magic. Me and yeah. Dan, Dan thrashes the crap out of me in Splendor twice again. Yeah. I he's not really played before, but he somehow managed to beat yeah. wipe yeah. the floor I, of me I'm twice. Assuming, I'm assuming at this point Dan's got chocolate all around his face and mouth. Oh, completely. Yeah, from the tiffin. Just he's just like a german expressionist sculpture yeah <laughs> so we we leave we go to a comic book shop yeah you buy Trans transmetropolitan you buy a Yeah. pick up a graphic novel three. i pick yeah. up a comic that i'm reading yeah. which is really interesting the black monday murders okay. finance mysticism and serial killings lovely from yeah. image comics Lovely. i take you all to the train station we all say bye um sam wipes a tear from his eyes he says bye to us yeah we all go on the train i saunter back to my flat it's about a half an hour walk yeah walk into my flat to find the fridge door wide open.
1: Now, I believe that... What a parting gift. The combination of my beautiful. excitement to get Tiffin and my excitement to experience Zifferblatt for the first time, I'm I sure. believe that I, I surely closed the door with such force of no. excitement that no. it, as it... Well, that, you, that, that the door stayed still and you pushed the rest of the fridge away from it. Exactly. exactly. I, well, I think, Dan, I, I think what happened... I think as I closed it, is... maybe I closed it with such force that the door bounced... And maybe no,
2: reopened. No. no, let me paint you the reality of what happened. What happened is you got, you went in, went, oh no, Tiffin opened up the fridge, Tiffin got the Tiffin, grabbed the Tiffin, started eating the Tiffin, <laughs> and walked away from the fridge without another thought. Just simply went, Tiffin, I have succeeded, and left the room. That is amazing. That is amazing a bohemian technocrat I might change that to my Twitter profile mine's <laughs> um, going to be bitched apart.
0: which I think which I think actually being up for our, our, our podcast that kind of should be the tagline for our podcast no, the, no. the only problem is it, it does require context yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Let, let me tell you about all the ways that that will not happen
1: yeah um, <laughs>
0: That was Staying In with Peter Willington, Dan Frost and myself, Chris Darby. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, movies, games and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.